morning and welcome to Asia Gaming Grid's podcast series. Today I'm talking with Simon Fraser, who is Senior Vice President International for XBNet Global. We're going to be talking about the company's recent deal in India, where horse racing is now allowing online gambling. We'll also talk about some of the issues in the wider racing world. Thanks very much for joining us, Simon. It's very nice to have you with us. Um, we wanted to talk to you because you very recently uh, announced a tie-up, an interesting tie-up uh, with North Alley in India. wondered whether you could start off by telling us a bit more about that. Yeah, so the, the market in India has changed um, quite dramatically because of the um, lockdowns and the, and the pandemic and so on. And that's allowed an opportunity for racetracks in India to take advantage of online. So the law has changed and they are now allowed to have both online customers and online customers bet on international racing. So that's a big change for them and for the racetracks in India and, and North Alley are one of the main um, technical providers to the racetracks. Uh, they manage the, the tote systems and the betting systems on most of the racetracks across the, uh, across the country. And we have um, signed a deal with them to provide the content both from our partners in um, Victoria, in Australia, and also in North America to those, um, to those racetracks and to the states that they work in as they roll it out across different states of India. So Indians, can they bet directly online or do they have to go to the track to bet online? How does that work? They're, they're now able to bet directly online. Directly online. So that is a great change. Which is great for the racing industry in India that instead of just having um, either people had to come on track or potentially bet offshore or, or with non-legal operators. So that opportunity is now there for the racetracks to take advantage of the of a, of a legal market and to get um, to increase the size of their betting pools and their and their customer base as well. How many um, race clubs are involved at present? At present, we have two, um, and then we're just working with uh, another race club in Calcutta, which should go live, I think, this week, as it happens. Um, and then we're looking to roll out across the other race clubs as the kind of the state legislation just approves racetracks and, and the online for international in the, in the individual states. What kind of size is the Indian racing industry at the moment in terms of betting turnover, and where do you see the potential? Um, it's very difficult to tell you what a legal number would be, or sorry, a total number, not necessarily a legal number for the for the betting industry, uh, you know, of, of horse racing in India, because I think a lot of it is probably on the black market or or grey market. Um, so I think there's a it it feels like you know the the racing is is consistent. There is you know there's local racing almost you know, most days of the year. And there is a product there that people want to bet on. And if you go to the racetracks, there are crowds there of people watching the racing and having a bet. So the, the kind of the restrictions that were placed on the racetrack previously will, will be removed, which should hopefully grow that market. So I would expect it to be, um, you know, is it going to be as big as, you know, Japan or, or the USA? No, it's not. But it's still, you know, lots of people who are interested placing lots of small, small bets that could generate turnover um, and generate decent sized pools. 
And um, you, you're bringing in feeds from the US and Australia primarily. Uh, where do you see the most interest from the Indians? What, what's the preference? Um, time difference, really based on time difference. Mm. And Australia is a significantly better time difference than the, um, the North American market. Right. North, North American tracks. It's all really is around um, generally when you're bringing in international content into other racing nations, it's what is a good time difference, what isn't competing necessarily against local racing. So the Australian racing will come before the local racing starts. Um, and then the customers who are more knowledgeable and, and enthusiastic about the local racing will start on the local racing and local racing's finished, bet into European, um, African, and then hopefully North American racing later into the evening. Right. I have always thought of racing as being sort of slightly antiquated, if you like, but it seems to be that it's, it's very robust and growing industry, especially at most of the Asian markets in particular. Um, what would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, racing is fun and it's a fun sport to bet on and we're in the entertainment industry. And I think that's the, the key bit to remember. And there's a lot of it as well. So as much as, you know, you hear about, um, you know, during the pandemic, the wonders of Ukrainian table tennis, there's more horse races happening and there's more, you know, horse racing from a, from a bookmaker point of view is often high turnover and can be high margin. So it's a, you know, it's a strong product for bookmakers and for fixed odds bookmakers across the world. And then for total operators as well, again, it can be a high, high turnover, high margin product. So it's a, um, but it also offers customers an opportunity to win decent prizes to win regularly and particularly in countries where no in running betting is is legal horse racing fills that gap of a quick you make the decision the race starts a minute and a half two minutes later the race is finished and you're paid out or you get to look at the next race so there's a you know the the, the gap horse racing can fill in the modern betting world i think is you know i think it's got a strong future Ah. And is it appealing to younger people as well? Um, yeah, I think, it, but I think that if you, that looks at, you know, how different jurisdictions and how different countries have reacted to appeal to different audiences. So if you look at particularly the, say, the Australian market or the UK market, the race courses there have made and kept racing as an event and you go racing for an event, particularly on the weekends and the big events, but also in Australia and, and the UK during the week to go meetings. Um, and if you look at the, um, the crowds of people that say go racing in Hong Kong or Japan, the ages, you know, it's all ages of people that go and watch the racing and it is an event. So there is a, um, a feel that you're both at a sporting event, you're at a social event, um, and, and, or you could just go to, to have a bet. Um, and I think those countries have done a great job in that. Also, if you, you know, if you go racing in South America, there's lots of families there. So it's a, you know, it's seen as a family event. Nice. Okay. And you mentioned in-play betting uh, a few questions ago. Um, is there no in-play betting in uh, horse racing? Funny you should answer that. Ask that. Yes, there is a, it's something that is being very much developed at the moment. So we're, we work very closely with a company called Total Performance Data, who are, um, have GPS chips in the horses on a number of our racetracks in North America, and working with them to develop algorithms to be able to produce um, fixed odds in running on the racing. And that 
they also have a, um, a number of tracks they supply in Europe and they're producing um, you know, in running fixed odds data streams um, on those races. And we're in the process of integrating the number of bookmakers to try those. Now, in running really only works in fixed odds jurisdictions, not in pool betting jurisdictions. So in some of the um, racing jurisdictions, such as um, the US, Japan, the, the, you know, it's going to be very difficult to offer fixed odds betting with, as it's, they're effectively pool betting and paramutual only territories. Where I think there is a good growth story and opportunity for in-running betting is in Australia, where in-running isn't legal on other sports, but it is legal on horse racing. So you're um, head of international for XB Bet. Where next for you guys? What, what's another interesting opportunity? So for us, it's really um, looking at what's happening with the various legislations in parts of South America, um, where again, you know, some parts of um, Argentina have legislated now to allow international horse racing for the first time. Um, there's obviously been talk around Brazil legislating on sports betting for a long, long time. Um, we are keen to expand what we're doing in India and work with more of the race clubs um, and kind of push that and kind of mark, work out how we market that. And we see kind of potentially in the next three to five years, there's some opportunities in, in Africa, both kind of, um, kind of West Africa and, and, mm. um, and across the continent. Um, as kind of individual markets are um, uh, become more mature, there's some opportunities I think there for for the North American horse racing products and and indeed Australia in the morning. What about um, the rest of Asia? Some of these big markets that we've already talked about: Hong Kong, Japan, Singapore. No, I think I think yeah. for us from a North American point of view, um, the time difference is difficult. And also the the legislation in lots of those. So if you look at Singapore um, and the big Hong, you know, Hong Kong, Japan, they're very controlled by the racing organisations in those countries, and they have either limited number of international days they're legally allowed to take, or um, or you know they they have very strict um, controls on which races they can take. So in Japan, for instance, there has to be a Japanese runner of a certain standard in the oh. race to be an uh, international race to allow betting on those races. Um, and Korea, South Korea doesn't allow any international racing there. Um, and then outside of those kind of territories in, in Asia, lots of countries, you know, betting is illegal. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't work as a, you know, as a rule, we don't work in countries where betting is illegal. Um, we don't kind of, you know, those, those types of, um, you know, we, we have a, a duty to protect the, the rights of our, you know, our rights holders and they're, and they're kind of, you know, they're, they are heavily regulated in the US. And so we don't work in any gray areas or in, with, with any kind of countries where the, the betting is illegal. You said a few times, obviously, it's all about the horse. Um, do you guys create content around that to drive you know, engagement with players? Or I know some people have got, you know, developing little documentaries to show the horses on the on the gallops and things like that. Do you do that? Are you involved in that sort of thing? Yeah, I think, we, you know, we've done a lot of stuff, um, particularly around our big races. And there's always... Um, some of the better content often tends to be about horses that have previously won those races or, or favourite horses within the industry. And that, that's some of the better content that people like to watch, that kind of almost historical content around where, where you know, 
when when you get the the winners of the Preakness or the or the or the Belmont or the Kentucky Derby, and you see that see them at stud, you spend time with those horses, you kind of remember their careers. That tends to be really engaging content. Mm. Um, but also the um, racing as a sport has so many great characters in it, as well as the the horses. So the the behind the scenes look pre race of you know, this is this is what the horse's training regime in the week leading up to a big race is. This is the groom. This is the work rider. These are the people that are going to be uh, a team to get this horse onto the track. And I think that content can be really engaging as well. Um, and it kind of appeals to a big audience because that is a you know, you're seeing the whole kind of training process of the of um, of that individual horse. Um, and then people want to see that horse, how it how it performs on the racetrack. Thank you very much for joining us today, Simon. You've been listening to Simon Fraser, who is the Senior Vice President International at XBNet.